Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. This is your host, Ian Harditz. And a quick disclaimer, everybody. Unfortunately, this podcast was recorded before the Carson Wentz trade. Obviously, we knew that this was a possibility as we started this 32 for 32 series and something like this could happen. So check out PFF.com for full thoughts on fantasy implications, real-life implications, all foot, all things football implications on the Carson Wentz trade. Just realized that myself and my guests did not know that this trade happened when we recorded it earlier this February. So difficult finding things. 32 schedules, you know, to record these podcasts, and it's unfortunate that I wasn't able to do it, and slightly better to, uh, to avoid something like this, so my apologies, but just realized we did not know about the trade, we knew something like this could happen again, so this is not a useless podcast by any stretch of the imagination, please just don't think we are too big of idiots as we discuss what could be happening at the quarterback position as it has already been solved, so thank you as always for listening, and enjoy. Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we are continuing our 32 for 32 series with a look at the Philadelphia Eagles. Wasn't the best 2020. In fact, it was pretty darn awful. I was one of the fish out there that picked the Eagles to win the division. I thought, you know, getting some Carson Wentz field stretchers back in the fold could bring back that 2017 MVP or 2018, excuse me, alas, was not meant to be. So it is what it is. Now we got Jalen Hurts. Now we got new coaching staff. Now we have a lot of questions that need to be answered for this formerly great franchise. Have a very special guest here to help me try to get through get through the noise and figure out what they need to address he is senior college football writer at the draft network deputy editor of bleeding green nation fellow former u chicago maroon benjamin solak you can find him on twitter at benjamin solak ben happy offseason and thanks for the time man yeah go maroons uh the two most th- two of the three most significant football alums of u chicago are on this podcast right now i think yeah. i feel confident in making that claim there we go, man. As, uh, as we've talked on Twitter, sometimes not too many people, used to talk <laughs> games, but you Chicago, maybe the only team left still undefeated against Notre Dame. So keep in mind a uh, college football playoff, uh, you know, haven't, haven't yeah. quite been a uh, D one since world war two, but whatever. <laughs> I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think when you go and make the uh, Notre Dame is a poser argument yearly, right. The key point to add in is still has not beaten the university of Chicago in football. And if you haven't done that, I mean, you're, you're forsaken. Just keep that on like the why Notre Dame might be out list right. every single year in the perpetuity. Good stuff, Ben. All right. And so we're, as we're going to keep our usual schedule here, top three team needs, gut feel around, then Ben will send us off with an offseason prediction. So without further ado, what are your top three team needs for the 2021 Philadelphia Eagles? Most serious need on the team is linebacker, which it's not the need they're going to address at six early in the draft with big money and free agency, though they don't really have big money and free agency with how the cap is unfolding for them this year, but they've neglected linebacker over the last several years with Jim Schwartz as their defensive coordinator. He's been very comfortable putting late round picks out there. They didn't want to spend money on Jordan Hicks. They didn't want to spend money on Camus Grugier Hill. So they play with a sixth round converted safety and Nate Gary as their mic uh, opposing offenses. Love this. I think it's great. One of the favorite things the Eagles do. Uh, TJ Edwards, uh, undrafted free agent from last year, uh, who, who they also bring in their two linebacker sets to be kind of the downhill guy. Again, uh, if you're running at him, okay. If you're going to throw the football, 
Offenses are thrilled. They can't wait to throw it at 53. Uh, and then besides that, it's, it's Davian Taylor, third round pick from last year who's a project. They have nobody right now who would start on another team. Zero. Uh, so linebacker is the biggest need for this team. Like I said, they're not going to address it early. The defensive need they may address early is corner. Uh, and and I, I would categorize corner as one of their top three needs. They made the big, big investment finally in Darius Slay, uh, who they acquired via trade from the Lions, sent a three with him, gave him a big extension. He is on the wrong side of 30. And now we're playing in a Jonathan Gannon defense, which was zone cover two in Indianapolis, right? Largely too high. That's not what Slay has ever played. And he's much better in man coverage across the course of his career than in zone. So we don't know exactly what's going to happen with Gannon and Darius Slay and how they're going to meet in the middle. Gannon's done a good job, but he integrated Xavier Rhodes and TJ Carey. And so he's worked with veterans before. So we don't know how impactful Darius Slay is going to be, but regardless of that, your second corner is Avante Maddox, who's much better suited for the slot than playing outside. We love Avante Maddox. Great dude. He has 29 and a half inch arms. That's just the reality of who you are. Uh, Nick Roby Coleman, they brought in to play their slot as a vet. He was dreadful. Uh, very little exciting depth behind that. They drafted Sidney Jones and Jalen Mills and Russell Douglas and simply do not have a starting caliber corner in that group. Mills may move back to corner under the new coaching staff. Okay. Oh, this is our year four trying it out with Jalen Mills at corner. We'll see how it goes. Accordingly, I think corners is a significant need for them. And then for the uh, second, arguably third year running, that last big need is wide receiver uh, where they, they, they've loved their tight ends and they've really believed that they can bring in veteran receivers and immediately be impactful, which it's a very data driven front office. I don't know if there was a study that said like rookie wide receivers suck, but whatever it was, it lied because rookie receivers are usually great. Not usually, but are often great. And uh, the Eagles have just been relying on vets the whole way around. And so you, you see Jalen Rager, their first round pick from last season, they'll continue to invest in him, but Alshon Jeffrey's going to be out of the building. Deshaun Jackson's going to be out of the building. Uh, Nick Sirianni's offense loves blocking wide receivers. It's important in that condensed formation system. Those guys can block, which means JJ Ortega Whiteside is going to get another year. He's going to get another rep because that's what he does best. Travis Folga, uh, who is kind of their extremely weird breakout and then fall away guy from last year. He will also get another look because he's effective in that role. Um, but like Greg Ward is going to be somebody they desperately want to improve upon. They brought in John Hightower as a fifth round pick to try to be a field stretcher. He was arguably the worst player to throw a football towards in the national football league last year by a couple of metrics. Uh, so they're going to need to try to add deep speed and vertical ball ability in this draft as well. So linebacker corner and wide receiver, those are your three big ones. Oh, good. Great stuff, man. Yeah, sticking with wide receiver, like high is one of those guys who helped bring out one of my new favorite terms, which is not air yards, but prayer yards. When you have them going to someone, you just right. know, even if they got that, you know, fancy friendly downfield opportunity, usually not going to be actually hauled in. So yeah, I mean, we got Greg Ward potential looking like he could be on the way out under free agent to your point. They're probably going to want to uh, resign or upgrade uh, someone else there. Anyway, Rager seems like he has a, you know, a slot for sure in there. I think he's deserved that other than him though. Like, could we be looking at a, new three wide receiver set that just literally has two new starters in the fold. Yeah. I'm going to be curious to see how many tight ends Nick Sirianni wants to put on the field. And that's going to tell me what happens with the wide receivers. I said, he likes blocking wide receivers. He, he does. He also liked three tight end sets. You know, they, they used 13 personnel, one of the highest rates over the last two years combined. That's with two different quarterbacks in, uh, 
they want to give you very wide surfaces to one side of the formation. And they'll do that with tight ends or with wide receivers. So tight bunch sets, condensed sets, multiple H backs. The Eagles have Dallas Goddard in hand. Zach Ertz is likely on his way out of the building. They have Jalen Rager in hand. Everybody else is kind of a question mark. So they, depending on what Sirianni wants here. And obviously with Harry Roseman making final decisions on personnel, they can invest heavy in wide receiver, put Jamar chase on the board at six, put Jalen Waddle on the board at six, they can go heavy and tight end, put Kyle Pitts on the board at six or with a trade back, but Pat Fryermuth or Brevin Jordan or Hunter Long. It's a good tight end draft. So they've got options on both sides. So it's difficult to say right now where they're going to put that investment. If they go wide receiver, I would imagine they want two different guys than they currently have in the building to start next to Jalen Rager. That would be my guess. Uh, I think that they're like, you know, Fulgham, Hightower, these guys will have opportunities to win roles. Ortega Whiteside, same thing. Uh, Sirianni with that wide receiver background, uh, this is how he came up in coaching, is hopefully going to mean a lot to these young Eagle receivers who have not been coached well over the last few years. But I would imagine they want to get multiple starters in. It's worth remembering the Eagles do have Marquise Goodwin on contract because he opted out of this season. He was on a one-year deal. So they try to get him in there as a field stretcher with Hightower. He's a, he's a, a potential player. But I'd be stunned if they do not draft at least one starting wide receiver in the NFL draft. And then with their cap situation – try to bring in somebody else, but it's going to be tricky. I was just going to say, I was looking at uh, their 2021 $20, dollars devoted to the wide receiver position and they have the sixth most out wide receiver, even though it remains such mm -hmm. a glaring need. And, that's and what two of those guys won't play here, right? Deshaun and Alshon, yeah. like they're both put money on this year and neither one of them will take a snap. <sighs> that's so what happens when you weren't really taking plus. snaps last year. Anyways, <laughs> that's how that goes. Man, we got these washed up veterans mixed with a bunch of rookies that just could not do much of anything. Not a, not, not the perfect combo to have uh, for your offense, yeah, trying to give awful. your quarterback uh, something to work with. All right, quickly uh, moving back to the defense. You mentioned linebacker being, you know, a need that they need to address, but also it's probably going to continue to be something that they deprioritize in terms of draft capital uh, devoted to it. So sticking with the secondary, I mean, as bad as wide receiver has been over the past few years, I mean, cornerback has arguably been worse. And it seemed like they really fixed it last year, at least more so than they had with Darius Slay and then adding uh, Nicole Roby Coleman, who I understand wasn't good last year, but previously I'd look like a very yeah. good slot corner, but now changing the defense. I mean, it sounds like that this could again, just be a pass defense that struggles mightily because it, they're taking away the thing that Darius Slade does best, which is just lock up the opposition's number one wide receiver. Yeah. And, and the position I didn't mention, which is potentially big need is safety. Uh, Ronnie McLeod in hand coming off injury again. Uh, just not been, he's been fine. He's not being paid like he's fine. He's been paying a little more than that, but he's been fine. Jalen Mills, Kayvon Wallace, they've got like young guys and guys who have played well and some veterans. And so it's like, it's okay at safety, but if you're going to be playing too high and you, you, you saw what Cardi Willis was able to do with the Colts, what Ju uh, Julian Blackman was able to do with the Colts, they get impact safeties on the field. I don't know if Philadelphia has one of those players. And so, so you got to rely on somebody to do work for you in the secondary. If you want it to be your corners, you want to play more man, you want to play more single high, you have Darius Slay in hand, you have to go get another good one. If you want it to be your safeties, McLeod's typically played single high. He's going to need to become more impactful in a deep half. And then you're going to need one of Kayvon Wallace or Jalen Mills to take that other spot. So again, not unlike tight end and wide receiver, when you don't know the coaching staff, you don't know exactly which direction things are going to go. What I will say to the secondary improving is they're closer now than they've been because they have one guy in hand, right? Like you said, it did get better with Slay. Unfortunately, defenses were like, oh, we're just going to throw it at the other guy. And the Eagles were like, darn, like, oh, we didn't know. Uh, so <laughs> that's pretty easy. Uh, Xavier Rhodes is a a free agent they grabbed him in indianapolis on a one-year short deal if he's cheap again i imagine they'll get him again uh and have the, those two veteran presences be able to not take corner at six if it doesn't fall to them that way but if there's a lesson 
they learned and the entire defensive coaching staff changed over. So I'm not sure they did, but if there's a lesson they learned, it's that you can't just improve corner one and expect your pass defense to improve, right? This has to be holistic. So they need improvements at, at corner and safety. Uh, and I think that how, again, it's, it, it's how, who do you want doing work for you? Do you want your corners doing work? Do you want your safety doing work? And that's where you have to invest your capital. Yeah. And let's hope they can get some more capital. I mean, you talked about guys that they're going to be releasing here uh, probably before too long. And that's going to open up in space, but right now they have the second most uh, expensive offense and the third most expensive defense going into next year. I mean, the saints have been the one team that we've kind of mocked, you know, which is all that salary cap room being right. up there, but Eagles really aren't too far behind. So might need to just get some in-house improvements. Hey, you guys drafting them, you know, figure it out to some extent. Those three team needs linebacker, uh, cornerback kind of secondary as a whole and wide receiver, hundred percent in a agreement with you then now we'll move on to our gut feel round recording this on february 4th understand you know you're not a future teller but just want your uh, thoughts right now as things stand going into the 2021 season and i think the main question on everyone's mind carson wentz jalen hurts we've seen you know some trade rumors popping up with wentz but it also sounds like the eagles want a fair amount in return basically how do you see this qb situation playing out i don't think they get enough interest from other teams to get a deal for Carson Wentz that they would want to take that that there's a lot of disconnects in the Wentz trade market thing like when the Stafford deal happened a lot of Eagles fans like well if Stafford's getting two ones then he Wentz is definitely getting you know at least a one no like, <laughs> I, w- I wish man but I don't I don't foresee a team putting a one on the table what terrifies me is the idea of the Colts doing it and the Eagles being like more because they really think that like Wentz is that dude. Right. And we were all sitting here last year. You picked the Eagles to win the division. We all also thought that like Wentz at the very least was 2018, 2019 Wentz. Like I I don't, we don't need 2017 Wentz. We just deal with 2018 Wentz. We'd be all right. Uh, That player just vanished. You know, the, the fall that you saw with Wentz, the precipitous drop off uh, is rather unprecedented. So, how confident are you that he's going to be good? The Eagles in-house are more confident than we want to admit. And so I, I think that they're comfortable with the idea of trading once. I don't think they get enough teams interested to get a price, to get a return big enough that they take. So he sits on the trade block. He comes into camp. It's a QB competition. He's given the starting job because he's making $34 million. Whether or not he plays well is a different matter entirely. Uh, that Sirianni offense can take a lot off your quarterback. It can make things easy for him. Sirianni quarterbacks historically have their lowest sack rate when they're playing under him. They have a low depth of target. They get a lot of yak. It's an easy offense. Your quarterback has to be humble enough to take that. And one thing that we saw from Wentz last season was that when they tried to simplify the offense, he dug his heels in. Uh, So if he's unwilling to take the necessary water wings to get his you know feet back under him it's gonna get even worse than it was this year which will be fun to watch at the very least download the DraftKings sportsbook app now and use promo code pff to get your shot to turn one dollar into one hundred dollars when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week that's promo code pff for new customers to get a shot at 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot only at DraftKings sportsbook must be 21 or older new jersey indiana michigan or virginia only restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details if you have a gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or an indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Virginia, call 888-532-3500. 
PFF and Sunday Night Football as Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcast. They'll provide the most interesting football conversations and sports every single week, and sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting in the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. And now back to the podcast. Man, it just seemed like after those first couple of weeks that he was trying to make up for like a season's worth of disappointments, like every single play. Right. And then he, he almost kind of caught his stride there for a few yeah, weeks. People yeah. forget like the Steelers Ravens stretch, which like two good defenses were like legit. And we we're like, okay, <sighs> thank goodness. <laughs> and then everything blew up. And that's why you get, you have a, an unhealthy organization. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not just a quarterback who's struggling. It's a head coach who's struggling. It's wide receivers who are struggling. It's positional coaches who are struggling. It's a GM who's struggling. And so then uh, uh, the snowball starts rolling down the mountain. But yeah, like if you, if you take a, a, a two, three game scope and really hone in, you could talk yourself into it, which is scary because that's what's happening. I, I love when we see those tweets where it's like, well, if you look at this wide receiver from week four to week seven, and you're right, only, exactly. you know, if we want to go down the weeds with that, we can carve out a little bit, but anyone's idea, obviously of an incredibly disappointing season. I don't necessarily fault the organization for putting on this brave face. I mean, the guys, if they want to cut him, it's going to cost you 60 million in dead cap next year, which is yeah. like unbelievable. 25, the next 15, the next, it's just a hard situation to get away from unless to your point, they can get someone to really trade a Godfather offer, which seems unlikely, but, we shall see. So who do you think gun your head? Who starts more games in 2021? If once is back, once it hurts. I took a, I took a immediate flyer on Jalen hurts, not to start a game. The moment he was drafted mm. at minus two fifty, And I was like, this is such easy money. And then I forgot about it until week 13. And so uh, I'm very, this, this one particularly scares me. I think, I, I think hurts starts more games because that gives me a the ability for him to maybe win the starting job at some point in the season or B if Wentz is traded, he's definitely starting more games with the Eagles. Um, so I'll say hurts. I don't, it's very, if they start with Wentz as the quarterback and he plays poorly, they're not gonna be able to trade him at the deadline. That's now, you know, a year and a half. I, I, don't, I don't foresee them getting a good deal for that. Uh, so uh, they would have to bench him again. I'd be a total nightmare. Mother Mary, I don't know. I'll say Hurts, but I'm nowhere on this one. <laughs> it's truly a toss-up, man. This is probably the QB situation to kind of watch play out throughout the offseason. I'm excited to see what happens. Moving on to a little bit more of a uh, you know position we have a good handle on, running back. You know, I know my company, it's hard for us to talk about running backs without saying they don't matter. But is anyone that gets the ball 20-plus times in the game does matter to some extent. Miles Sanders, when he was healthy last season and really over the past two years, he has looked like one of the better talent at the position but man he looked really inefficient as a receiver we have boston scott taking away more reps and fancy managers would have liked down the stretch now mm -hmm. scott's a, an unrestricted free agent but you know we, we look at potentially you know this new uh, coaching staff now hey they were willing last year peterson kind of finally uh you know just bucked his uh long time kind of committee situation i don't know if that's gonna be the case moving forward how do you see this backfield playing out do you think they add someone like of note to actually you know form a two-back committee with sanders or should he be the three down back as long as he's healthy enough to handle that role yeah marlon max an interesting name which nice, he nice. sirianni's got from indy obviously was injured for the entire season. Obviously the indie backfield did not miss him. Uh, they're super loaded there. So they're not returning him. And if other teams are like, there's no reason to take a gamble on an injured running back after his first contract, he'll come cheap to Philly uh, and, and play in that offense. And I imagine it'll be a committee approach. We obviously, we saw them go 
heavy Jonathan Taylor by the end, which I think is what they wanted to be. A lot of the the discourse for the Colts coaching staff when when they were coming through that 2019 season and into 2020, they were talking about, we need to be able to run the football because we need to be able to ice games. Uh, that was something that was important to them. And so they wanted that guy who they, they felt confident could pick them up a first down on a first down, second down, third down run and, and script that out if they needed to. I don't know if they'll see that player in Sanders. So I think they'll want to add to that. I certainly agree with you that they're going to look at what he was as a receiver this year and be terrified. Uh, you know, multiple concentration drops, multiple bad catch radius drops, uh, an inability to get on the same page with Wentz. So much about running back receiving is about understanding spacing, leverage, and timings. So you're constantly a check down. So you really have to have a good knack for that. That's why you see so many players carve out roles as pass catching backs. Cause it's a little bit inherent. It's a little bit of like an instinct thing. Uh, Sanders got, you know, they, they loved him on that wheel round 2018 yeah. just run and go and track it. But like when it comes to like the check down stuff, I just like the easy hitches, the easy option routes, he just struggles. Uh, and so I, I would imagine they take a look at Marlon Mack. I think they'll want to bring Boston Scott back because of what he is as a receiver. He has that ability. And I agree with you. I don't think like the, Sanders had twice as many carries as anybody else on the field this year, which is the most, that's the heaviest skew uh, Eagles backfield has had. Deuce Staley is now gone. Uh, and so there's a chance that, you know, like the new running backs coaches want to be that, but given what we've seen in Indy, I think it's by committee. I think they at least re-sign Boston Scott, if not add somebody to it as well. Yeah. It's interesting with Sanders. I mean, I, you watch every single Eagles play, you know, I, I've watched every single game, but not as closely as you, but Sanders to me, like has popped out as one of like the most willing pass protectors that we've seen. I mean, his yeah. just highlight tape of blitz pickups is pretty awesome, but so it's maybe not even necessarily like a physical capability thing. He just hasn't gotten that feel and the awareness to be the receiver needs to be it he's a tough player for a coaching staff to trust because he has lapses that kill you like he's a good pass protector he's willing he's physical hits on blocks and then he'll just miss a read and just get Wentz whack and I, I i couldn't tell you why uh he's gotten better reading blocks he's still not perfect uh when i he came out i comped him to marlon mack who's a fourth round pick at a usf who just marlon mack would like get the ball and back i'm balancing it i really don't care what's happening with the tackles he just couldn't read it he just didn't know what he was looking at uh that player is hard to leave on the field for all three downs. Coaching staffs don't want to do that. They feel like it puts their quarterback in jeopardy. They never, they don't want their running game to be, you know, 12 yards or zero yards. They want it to be four yards every time. That's the point of the running game for coaches. So he's a difficult player for that reason to leave on the field constantly. So there's a chance, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet the house on, on uh, him being a, a dominant bell cow back in Philly. Fair enough. Yeah, keep that in mind, fantasy football managers. I'm assuming Sanders is going to have a top 10, top 12 ranking at the RB position, just might not have enough touches to make the most out of that. Last thing, Ben, before we get to your bull prediction, just looking at this receiving room, I mean, you, you're talking about Ertz, Jeffrey, and DJX potentially being elsewhere. With that in mind, would you expect Jalen Rager and Dallas Goddard to be the most productive receivers in this offense ne uh, next year? And if so, like, what do you think their ceiling is? Because at least, especially with Goddard, I mean, he's looked like one of the league's better talents at the positions when he's had a chance over the past few years. Yeah, Rager is my bold prediction, so I'm not answering that yet. Right. <laughs> uh, now, Goddard is going to be a lot. The, Wentz likes targeting tight ends. Tight ends are heavily put in the past concept by Sirianni's offense. He is not only a, a quality route runner, has good hands, is good with the ball in his hands, really nice on screens. He's a very, very good blocker. And when he was coming out, people were like, he's not a good blocker, which the Eagles and never were like, the second they drafted him, they're like, he's awesome. And he's been awesome since day one. Yeah. That's critical because it leaves you on the field, right? He's going to be like a 90 plus percent snap 
talent guy. You know what I mean? That's they're going to be so heavy on that, especially with their wide receiver room being so light. It's not like they can go 10 personnel if they want, like these one of the bodies. So they're going to leave God on the field. He's going to play flex out, whatever, especially if they, even if they add to the tight end room, they're going to be doing that with the intention of being able to change where Goddard lines up and not being stuck with them constantly on the line of scrimmage. Uh, so I wouldn't even be deterred by a tight end addition. Obviously if it's like Kyle Pitts, it's a different conversation, yeah. but like a regular tight end addition, like a middle round draft pick or a vet free agent, Goddard is going to be featured very heavily in the passing game. I, I feel confident about that. I think, yeah, like, you know, Goddard very famously said in 2019, I want to say during camp that he was the fourth best tight end in the league. It went Kittle, <laughs> Kelsey Ertz and then him. It's like, all right, relax. Um, but yeah, like since he said that he's been better than Ertz, uh, uh he's going to get a lot of volume. Uh, he, he's going to get a Hunter Henry style, like usage and, and kind of route tree and everything like that. So that, that's what I think about for him. Like I said, my, my bold prediction is Rager, which is I, I, I think Rager is going to be really good for this team next year. Rager was never a guy who was going to be good in year one. He ran four routes at TCU and they ran him on the field side, right? College hashes are humongous and they ran on the field side and there's no safeties anywhere. And it's him against 12 yard off cover, some <laughs> stiff three-star from Oklahoma state. And it's just like, this is, this is easy pickings for him. That's one, two. He very clearly got some bad advice during the pre-draft process because he came to the combine so heavy and just could not move. Right. Like it was just, he was just too, it was inflexible. He wasn't in like, it's like he was in good shape, but he wasn't in like combine shape. He wasn't showing what you wanted him to show. Obviously he has the better pro day and that's kind of all nonsense because nobody could be there because of COVID and whatever, but he didn't show the combine to his athletic ability. Uh, he, he didn't, have the route tree in college. You need to have to be productive early and you got injured in camp. So it's like the Holy grail, like didn't plan an <laughs> offense that made sense. Didn't have a, a, a good pre-draft process, health athleticism wise got injured in camp. So the, they, they did not know how to use him. They threw a shallow to him for the first time in like week 15 and it like <laughs> changed his life. You know what I mean? It was like, this is incredible. We can throw him the ball close to the line of scrimmage on not bubble screens and it will work. You know what I mean? And so, so, teams pressed him and they, they were constantly trying to push him down the field and he, he couldn't be successful attacking the ball in the air. It was all a mess in his usage. When's going to figure it out, whatever a year, a full year of training camp coaching from a, a very wide receiver, heavy, very wide receiver oriented system, a system that's very interested in targeting players with ball in hand ability often and early think about the Colts drafting Paris Campbell, like way earlier than anybody should have drafted Paris Campbell yeah. in 2018. They wanted a guy who they could just whoop, run. You know what I mean? They're very heavy on wide receiver screens, very heavy on shallows. That's going to be Jalen Rager's bread and butter. It's not going to be, you know, averaging 18 yards of, uh, of target depth on a given game. That's not going to be his usage anymore. And it shouldn't be his usage. They're going to use him like a Debo Samuel. They're going to use him like a, a thick running back ball and hand athlete. They're going to get him the ball quickly and they're going to let him make players miss. He has to show more toughness. Yeah. It, mental and physical. He definitely gave up a little bit this year. He was like, I left TCU for this. Like I didn't have any quarterbacks there. I came to NFL. I still don't have a quarterback. So a new coaching staff's got to get him right. Uh, I, I'm confident that they will. Uh, so my big prediction is like Jalen Rager, who right now of the first round receivers looks the most concerning. I think he assuages a lot of those concerns come here too. 
You should certainly have the opportunity to do so. I mean, him and uh, Michael Pittman, if Hilton leaves, I mean, you're looking at two guys that could very well lead their team in targets by a significant margin. And you said it, man, like how brutal is that going from TCU where I'm pretty sure PFF tracked him as having like the single highest uncatchable target rate in the country among a lot of these great receivers, right to Philly, who was, should have been a great situation, but as we saw, it wasn't exactly that way in 2020. Yeah, Renner told me he had 60% of his targets were catchable. <sighs> and I was like, good talk. That's great. <laughs> Exactly. Hopefully, he can get that turned around again. Shop every opportunity to do so. Yeah, get the ball in the dude's hands. I mean, he had that like 71 yard for a touchdown punt return. It's amazing what you do when you get your athletes the ball in space. All right, that's going to do it, everybody. Thank you, Ben, for the time. Make sure you all check him out on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. Where you got in the pipeline, man? Where can the people hear you? Uh, yeah, Locked on NFL Draft is the NFL Draft podcast for your next four months. And if you care about the Eagles, uh, BGN Radio is the feed for that. Uh, we're doing tons of prospect interviews, tons of player profiles of the draft network. We have the mock draft machine, which is a ton of fun. Obviously PFF does as well. Use that one. Use our one. It doesn't matter. It's all love. <laughs> um, I wrote about Penny Sewell and Rashawn Slater, which was fun. And I think they're both good and it's okay that they're both good. And we don't have to argue about who's better. Great stuff as always from Benjamin. Truly, I mean, the breakdowns you do post Eagles games, I think they're some of the best in the business from any team, any any reporter, any writer Thanks, involved. Man. So make sure you check out all the stuff on the way over there. He's Benjamin. I'm Ian. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. <laughs>